Hey everyone, welcome to the Urban Robot Cat Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Likens. I'm Chris RWK. And I'm Corey from Strange Cat Toys. And we want to take a second to thank our sponsors. Starting off first, we have StickerFi. They have produced some wonderful stickers for us, and they would love to do the same for you. You can check them out at stickerfied.com. Also, you can check out No Love City, a streetwear brand since 2007, heavily influenced by street art, comics, and hip-hop culture. Uh, if you use the code UrbanRobotCat at checkout, you'll receive 10% off. You can check them out at nolovecity.com. So this is episode eight. And uh, no guests this week, so it's just going to be Corey, Chris, and I going on and talking about some different projects and things that we're seeing over here on the old internet. And uh, But first off, we're going to start out by saying, how was your week, Chris? That was pretty good. I've been uh, getting back in the studio, getting back in the swing of uh, creating some artwork. I got some shows coming up. Um, you know, and then I've been working on some new sticker stuff. Just uh, just getting creative again, which has been a nice uh, nice feeling. Uh, I did check out the uh, Stick To It, uh, the four-part video series we talked about in the last oh, episode. Oh, nice. It was cool seeing you uh, on video talking about uh, the sticker scene and you know, kind of how, how it's evolved over the years. So that was, that was a really cool well, thing. So if you're out there in the listening world and you haven't checked it out yet, check out Stick To It. Uh, via juxtapose or if you just go over to youtube and talk type and stick to it you'll find it as well yeah i mean that that's not me in the video that's a stunt double i was like who is this guy see not even not even my co-hosts know what i look like see that nobody knows your true identity right no nobody knows my true identity it's it's like that tv show from the 90s my secret identity with with jerry o'connell but uh it was a really cool uh, documentary though like seeing you know bouncing back and forth between different artists um you know all the way up to shepherd fairy and uh, CJ Ramon and all those folks and Mark Echo, uh, all talking about uh, stickers and how they influenced, you know, uh, I guess you'd say a generation of folks to go into the streets and you know, put their thing up and uh, what that means to them and what it means to the people that uh, receive that. So I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was done. I thought it was done really well. I mean, you know, when, when it was first pitched to me, um, the guy doing it, um, Alex, I mean, he, uh, you know, it, it originally it was kind of going to just be kind of a um, like a gallery show kind of thing, where they were going to you know screen screen this documentary and kind of have a show that went along with it. But then once it got picked up by Juxtapose, it was just like a you know a whole different animal. You know, it just it was able to be broken up into the different parts and just kind of like you said, like kind of hop genre. You know, from you know music stuff to the street stuff, clothing brands and stuff like that. So it was it, it was cool. So uh, Corey, what do you what have you been up to? Uh, getting everybody's last-minute Christmas orders out. Um, I'm actually out of stickers, um, so i got to hit up Stickerfied again. I'm even out of that whole pack of stickers that you sent me yours, too, Chris. Like, all really? Gone. Oh, yeah. wow. You must yeah. have had a busy two weeks. Tis yeah. the season. Yeah. Look at that. There's actually been a surprising amount of uh, designer toy like releases, I feel like, around uh, the holidays here. Um a lot. Usually, you know, I feel like designer toys are, they're not something that people generally buy for like a present, I guess, you know, like the people are generally buying them for themselves. Um, so it seems like usually around Christmas, it slows down a tiny bit, but this year it seems like there's been a ton of new releases. So, um, it's interesting trying to see things kind of change over time. Right. So what, uh, what was your favorite release then? Uh, if you had to name one out of that? Um, let's see. I think, one of my favorite releases that I've seen actually is the, um, I, I really like the 
candy corn that came out from uh, 3D Retro, the one that's like the Christmas candy corn. Um, kind of specifically because you know how like candy corn has gotten to the point where they like make it for every holiday. Yeah. Like, you know, you still only see it around Christmas time or around, uh, you know, around uh, the October time frame, And now it's like every holiday they come up with a reason. It's kind of like peeps, right? Yeah. It's like, there's like 4th of July peeps now, you know? <laughs> like, it, it, And yeah, I just saw Christmas tree ones the other day and I was just like, I, I don't get it. <laughs> it didn't feel out of place. It felt like, boom, this fits right in. This is what you do with candy corn when it's not, uh, not Halloween time frame. So and what wasn't it wasn't it named after the um the one character from um uh from Rudolph. The Cornelius Cornelius. Yeah. Ha 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 ha. Because it was a candy corn. Yeah, yeah. So that Alex Party is so clever. T- tons of puns. He's a punny. Ha ha ha. Uh I see what uh, you did there. Uh, I think I think unfortunately everybody saw what he did there. <laughs> <laughs> So I, th- I think that's probably one of my favorite ones I've seen um, kind of come out recently. But uh, I do think it's just interesting to watch the kind of changes in the in the scene. But it sounds like Corey's doing well, so hopefully everybody else is too. Corey, what about you? Anything that stood out to you uh, this season? Uh, yeah, uh, Chris Reiniak put out a new colorway of the Kango Rumple uh, vinyl toy that he produced. Um, and they, they just came out with like an orange looking colorway so um i was gonna run and swipe it off the site when he listed it and then i realized i could probably just ask him if i could carry it (laughs) (laughs) so i did that instead makes it a little bit easier (laughs) yeah a little bit nice anything well you know i'm kind of clueless with a lot of this but i did see speaking of um 3d retro they did a new um i'm I'm assuming it's new uh, what's his name uh bob dob the coke the cokehead I always loved his work. I mean, he's, I think his style is pretty awesome. Um, but it was cool to see him doing something new that was a little bit different. Yeah. That, uh, that figure launched at uh, DesignerCon, and then I think they just put it up like on their website recently. So it's, it's pretty new. So it counts. I'm good, right? Yeah. All right, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And I actually, I, I really like that figure. And I think one of the key things with that figure is actually in the sculpt. Um, the can is actually like crushed a little bit. So it kind of gives it a little more character. Um, cause it's almost like the head kind of has like the wrinkles that like a human head has kind of in the back, you know? Um, otherwise if they've just put like a straight can up there, just like, here's a can on top of a, a body. I just don't think it would have had like as cool of an effect as, um, as what they actually yeah. came up with. So just kind of gives it a little more you know, dynamic pose to it. So it's really cool. Well, yeah, it, it gives the face more of an emotion too. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's just straight lines on either side, it would have just been really boring. Well, they must have sold out of it because it's no longer on their website. Oh, you missed it, Chris. I'm good. I don't have space for any of this stuff. I, I can't. <laughs> I, can, I have, I have, I have boxes and boxes and bins of '90s toys that I gotta eventually get rid of. Oh, old uh, Spawn and. Uh, Power of the McFarlane. Force. Oh yeah, oh, oh McFarlane and Power of the Force, uh, Star Wars, and some of the like the old cause stuff. You should probably dig that cause stuff out. That's the like the valuable stuff. <laughs> like, get get that out now. That guy's not worth anything. What are you talking yeah, about? Mix that in with Power of the Force. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because what happened was is so I used to I used to do a lot of comic collecting and a lot of toy collecting. So um, my uncle had a good friend who worked at. Uh, 
couple of comic shops in the city. So we'd always get the that thick ass uh, preview book that had like yeah. every comic in it, everything. So I, I would just, you know, I, I I had a paycheck coming in, so I was just order happy. You know, it was just like order a ton of stuff and and you know, and then you move a whole bunch of times and you can't really do much with it, so it all sits in boxes. So I gotta, I do have to go through a lot of that stuff now. I remember when I was doing action figures uh, before Strange Cat, like we'd go and buy like people's old collections, and people always had a ton of Power of the Force. Oh yeah, I mean, well the thing was is that was like it was just fun as hell to collect. I mean, we, you know, me and my friends, we we would drive all over, you know, Jersey, Long Island, Pennsylvania, just trying to hit up all different Toys R Uses that had like shipments that just came in. It was it was just a fun chase kind of feeling, you know. It wasn't. You know, you really couldn't order a lot of this stuff directly like you could now, you know. So yeah. we literally was driving all over the place and, you know, shit, we'd run run to the, the aisle and try to grab the, you know, the, the, the Luke with the longer saber before your friend did. You know, it was like, <laughs> you know, and uh, but and it was fun, you know, it was, it was yeah. fun. But that led to me having now bins and bins of it that's, you know, not worth the crap. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and, and well, and unfortunately, you know, there's lots of people with bins and bins of it, right? So that's why it's not really worth, you know, what people thought it might be. Um, I did, I do see some one interesting thing um, in the Star Wars, like Power of the Force, Phantom Menace, like collecting, right? They they never really remade Jar Jar <laughs> because he wasn't popular. So like that, that, so that first Jar Jar figure, I mean, it's not worth like a ton, but it's definitely like a shining force in all of those. You know those figures, which is kind of funny because he was like the character that everybody hates or whatever. But yeah, you know. it's it's pretty comical. I mean, <laughs> it's like ironic, right? <laughs> like, yeah, but yeah. So I mean, I, so unfortunately, yeah, I really don't have much room for anything new. And I mean, it's really kind of got to be stand out for me to kind of you know buy. Mm. I do end up with a lot of trades, you know, trading canvases for stuff. Uh, I got a lot of crap now. I think about it. Yeah, I got a lot of, you know, got a lot of crap. I don't have that much room for it, but I got a bunch of stuff. Jesus. As I look around my studio and realize that I have a lot of crap. (laughs) And this is the podcast where Chris learns that he has a lot of stuff. (laughs) Well, you know, the problem is, is I I literally, when I'm in here, I'm usually just, you know, working at the easel and just kind of working on stuff. Now that I'm like sitting at my desk and just kind of glancing around, I gotta organize this shit. Jesus. Yeah, I just went through and reorganized my whole storage unit, and literally half of my storage unit is the empty boxes from all the toys that are around the house. Wow, that's that's yeah, that's annoying. <laughs> you need to you need to flatten them and then put the like clamshells and like put those together so you don't have so much space taken up. <laughs> I don't know. The, the clamshells are, are what's so big, and, and my wife's like, should we just throw these away? I'm like, no, not throw these away. <laughs> Crazy? Collector at heart right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll get another storage unit, okay? Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's always more room. <laughs> you can't always get this box back. <laughs> well, the argument is, you know, you have it for the value, but, you know, I'm paying 130 bucks for the storage unit a month, so I'm like, well, that value, maybe going the other way right now but someday yeah. you might sell that that box <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that fig that figure goes from uh 
you know, a hundred dollars down to, you know, 20 without the box. So <laughs> yeah, but you saved like $6,000 in shape and uh, storage. <laughs> for the- yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. There's so. a trade off here. I don't know what it is, but there's something to be learned. Is there anything else you've seen while perusing the uh, interwebs? Um, I saw this figure called Boo. It's from this artist I follow. Um, she goes by Suya. It's S-O-O-Y-A, and they're all underscores um, in between the letters on Instagram. Um, and it's why this, do, like, Why cat. do people do that? I'm sorry. Before you go on, why do people do that? <laughs> come on. Probably because it's taken, and they don't want to come up or use something different. Or, like, be, like, number two all at right. the end. Suya, too. <laughs> so it's S underscore o underscore o underscore y underscore a yeah i shared it to your dms you don't have to search it, Just I, it. well that that's on my phone i was gonna look at my computer so i have a nice oh uh, well you I have listen, a full keyboard listen i ba- i barely use my desktop for anything but itunes so like let me use it for something let me let me justify spending how much 10 years ago on it oh that's really yeah that's really nice it's kind of got like a like a precious moments feeling yeah, and like all the pieces attached by magnets, it looks like it's really well made. Is it vinyl, or is it because the box looks kind of like maybe it's resin? No, it's it's resin. Yeah, and it's got magnetic parts, um, and it's also uh, given a double bird. It's always good on a toy. You're like I'm in a, only in it for the double bird. <laughs> I said I, that that is cute. I don't get the double bird thing. It reminds me of that other cat company, Strange Cat. No, that one with the the one with the logo that's got the cat giving the flipping people off. I don't know the name of it. Oh it's, yeah, it's in like all the balls. It's got like really big. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's called for. What if a kid gets this? What if your kid bought this figure and it's got two middle fingers up? How would you feel, Corey? I mean, this figure is probably like a hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> so hopefully you're not buying it for your kid. Uh, it's done really cool. It's really nice. A resin collectible for a small child is probably not a good idea. <laughs> Because yeah, there's definitely choking hazards on this. <laughs> oh, wings, sure. The wings come off and everything. See, it's got that, like, I guess Mark Ryden kind of, what, what, yes. what do we call that style? Pop surrealism. There you go. Is it, is, so it's a limited release, or? I believe that she hand paints all these. I'm not 100% certain because I, I've tried contacting this artist to see if I can carry uh, her stuff. I believe it's her, um, and they've never gotten back to me, so I'm not. 100% positive. Mm. Have you sent her pictures of bunnies? Because it looks like she likes bunnies. No, but yeah, most of her figures are bunnies. So that's, that's a good in, you see. To send a picture of a bunny? All right. Absolutely. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I've seen recently. I'm, there was a zine that I, um, uh, this guy, Cheer Up Official. It's a, on Instagram, it's all one word. It's Cheer Up Official. So it's C H E E R. U P O F F I C I A L. Uh, so he's a big sticker um, artist. Uh, I think he's down in Baltimore, Maryland, like around that area. He he just re- released a cool zine called uh, "As Seen on the Streets," and uh, this is like the New York edition. So it kind of just uh, focuses on different you know stuff up in New York. These are pretty cool. I mean, he's got other stuff on his site, you know, as far as, uh, like, cool new projects, that's definitely one I like. I think zines are really underappreciated, especially in certain scenes. And I just really say in scenes and scenes sounds weird. Well, I think, uh, you know, they used to be a, a bigger part of a lot of scenes, and they've kind of dwindled away as the blogs kind of picked up. But now that blogs are kind of going away, I feel like they're kind of making a resurgence. Especially since there's really no magazines anymore, especially for, you know, something like this, you know, 
uh, graph and stickers and stuff like that. Uh, it's nice to see. Yeah, I mean, even Clutter hasn't put out a magazine in a while, right? Although they had recently announced that they're bringing it back. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I think the last one I seen was probably... It was probably two or three years ago, I would say. But yeah, they recently announced that they're launching it. They're relaunching the magazine. Uh, and they were looking for like what people wanted people to write about. So um, we'll see what they come up with. So I imagine my guess would be they're probably going to launch it at five points, question mark. But that's just me guessing. So that would make That'd sense. Be cool. yeah. I always enjoyed flipping through that and reading the articles. Um, I would think they could get enough sponsors to, to justify doing it. So for a while, I was a writer for Clutter. Um, I did probably five or six articles because um, it was like a quarterly magazine. So you know, it wasn't easy to rack up a ton of ton of articles. But I did write articles for them for a while. Anything I would have read? Um, probably not. I just always wanted to ask that. I mean, it's just like a, a great question. I mean, it's like, Oh, I write for this magazine. Oh, anything I'd read? So, no, I did um, an interview with uh, Jason Lamone. Um, I did an interview with uh, customizer Jay Fury. I did an interview with the bots. I did an interview with, I don't remember. There was another one, though. There was like two more, but I can't remember the other ones. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it was a long time ago. It was like four or five years ago. But it was, it was fun writing for the magazine and, you know, being a blogger at the time, it was really cool to get something kind of in print that was a little more... Um, you know, real, like it was out there in the world. Tangible. Yeah. Tangible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> tangible. So it was, it was cool to, cool to be a part of it um, for a while. I don't, I don't have a desire to write for a magazine anymore, but that was cool. <laughs> while it lasted. Too much pressure. Uh, no, I just don't, uh, I don't have a um, desire to communicate in that way anymore. That was, you know, that, that time of my life is kind of over. So I just don't have a desire to, to write anymore for websites or magazines or other other sites have approached me about coming on and becoming a blogger again and like doing all this stuff and i'm like eh, i don't think that's something i want to do anymore there's a reason why i stopped doing it right it's got a little dark right now it's a little, little dark Corey, what'd you do see what see what you did you brought the episode went, down went down a weird hole yeah it's all right travis we're here for you don't worry all right you ever got a call you just give us a call <laughs> No, it's just I, I like uh, I like making stuff and I like podcasting more. It's 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 definitely cool when you kind of not necessarily outgrow, but grow from what you did work on, and kind of you know realize you know there are other outlets that might satisfy that uh, that need that you have. I think I think that happens with creatives a lot where they just they get pigeonholed. You know, it's like you know it, it goes back to kind of like maybe being an artist and you know i know i've talked about this with other people but like like somebody like um like dalek and how like dalek um you know it was kind of pigeonholed with the the space monkeys for a long time and then when you started doing like the color theory and the color field paintings and stuff like that people kind of didn't get it at first if, if you look at a lot of character-based artists i mean they kind of it's it's hard it's hard to kind of branch out because people are always asking for the the logo, you know, the what they know you by. So I mean, it's happened. It's happened with Twist, you know, Barry McGee, and you know, a bunch of those guys. So I do appreciate him him going back to the Space Monkeys recently, but that's also because you kind of hadn't seen him in a while. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of a lot of us have that same issue. You know, you hear interviews with folks, and they talk about um, you know kind of being trapped right with the character. Um, I know Luke Chu um, is pretty vocal about that. He even paints like where the character kind of traps him, right? Um, because that's what the bear is what people want. And when he paints something other than the bear, people get upset, right? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I, mean, I know I've been stuck in it. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where 
he wants to branch out past that sometimes, but he doesn't feel like he can. And I think a lot of character artists get kind of in that, you know, trap. And it's kind of cool that, you know, Dalek was able to figure that out, right? So he, he dropped the character for a while and just kind of said, well, I'm not doing it. And kind of like said, you're going to like this stuff or I'm just going to just keep doing it until you like it, right? Almost is kind of what happened. And he did it for a good period of time until he was felt comfortable bringing that character back, I guess, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think it's cool. You know, some, sometimes people can break away and sometimes people can't, you know? Other than that, I mean, I, I also saw um, Kanor um, uh, on Instagram. Uh, it's it's I-T-S. It's Kanor, K-A-Y-N-O-R. He's a... Brooklyn-based artist. Um, he does a lot of like, kind of skulls and stuff like that. He just did a, a run of a new T-shirt where it's uh, how do I put it? It's kind of like the Grim Reaper looking into like a cell phone kind of thing, and it's glow in the dark. And he did like a T-shirt and, and hoodie run of it. I don't know if you it's, saw it. It sounds very uh, very true though. That was really nice. Staring into the phone is the Grim Reaper. But uh, yeah, so it's it's like the Grim Reaper holding up the like an iPhone, and uh, it's called the Mira. Uh, the mirror, which flatters not. It's a really, really cool image. Um, but this run of the shirt, he, you know, he changed it up, and now it's glow-in-the-dark, which is really nice. It's always fun to see stuff like that, people messing with the printing styles. You were into streetwear for a while, so you probably appreciate those kind of little tweaks. Yeah, like I remember when kind of 3M kind of first hit the hit the scene really hard. Right, like everybody started putting that 3M material on T-shirts, like printing-wise or on shoes or different things. And it's just it's always cool because you know it, people do this in toys, or I'm sure people do this with stickers or prints or different things as well. Um, somebody introduces something that hasn't been done before, and then people start to oh, I could do that, and it kind of starts showing up everywhere. And it's it's awesome until you know people kind of play it out, I guess, but it's, it's fun to see people do something familiar, but do a, t a small twist on it that makes it even cooler. UV reactive or any of that kind of stuff, you know, just all kinds of techniques you can use to really change the outcome of the product, which isn't really that different, but different enough that it's exciting, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So um, on a not product based thing, but on a just kind of kudos and cool thing to see this week, um, people have almost been kind of posting like year in reviews, I guess you would say, um, of like things they have bought. And I've been tagged in like a lot of them because people are posting like their complete bear champ collections or cubs collection so far and, you know, different uh, figures we produced. And, um, I gotta say, this is uh, pretty exciting. We never really had that in the past. So this is kind of like a new, like, Oh, this is really cool that we have fans that are excited about the things they bought from us and sharing them. And I just want to say thank you if any of those people are listening, because it was a pretty uh, cool and humbling experience this week, just seeing all the photos rolling in, um, you know, through the old Instagram feed. So, yeah, it's pretty yeah. awesome. Quite a few people have complete collections because I'm getting tagged in a bunch of those, too. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been kind of crazy. Like, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that many people to have full like collections. And I'm talking they have like. The, the custom ones that the uh, that Jen and Tony did um, in collaboration with uh, JC and all the releases and different, um, you know, colorways from all the different retailers. So, I mean, these people were hunting for this stuff. They weren't, uh, you know, just picking it up. I mean, they were seeking it out hard because there was across the board, I believe when I told it the other day, there have been 13 editions released. So um, of the Bear Champ alone. 
Um, so, I mean, that's that's pretty nuts across the two series and chasing all that stuff down. So these people did a lot of legwork. Um, so really uh, appreciate everybody's support and going after all this stuff and all the retailers and supporting those guys as well. One more? Uh, there is one more um, that is a UBD Toys exclusive. We'll probably release it at some point in early 2020. Um, just waiting until after the holidays and stuff. And then we'll see, you know, kind of from there. Um, we've got the next figure coming out from JC we talked about in the last episode. And um, that'll be probably the 2020 focus at this point for JC's toys, um, from UBD Toys at least. So um, just kind of ending out the four-inch bear champ and then uh, kind of moving into the next one. And then we'll see where we go from there. Nice. Now, now you mentioned, what was it, Jen and Tony? Who is that? For those who don't know. Yeah, so Jen and Tony are uh, Jen and Tony Bot. Or they're known as The Bots. Um, they've done Dunny series for Kid Robot uh, that was called uh, Scared Silly. Um, it was an entire series of uh, Dunnies that were all based on their original artwork and character design. Uh, they were also in the DTA Dunny series um, hosted by Clutter uh, a few years back. And um, they also do tons of custom toys where they sculpt or create designs and sculpt uh, these toys. Um, they do tons of art shows across the country. They've um, We produce a toy with them. We produce two toys with them and a children's book. And um, they do just a ton of their own original artwork. It's uh, so they collaborated with JC, did custom work onto the four inch bear champ and uh, made like an exclusive run of them that were sold via JC's um, pop-up shop that he did in Chicago. And then we did some for DesignerCon um, a couple months ago or about a month ago now. So um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but have you heard of uh, Dumpster Fire? by 100% soft. Yeah, the little vinyl figure with the fire. Uh, it's like a little cute dumpster with a fire in the top of it. Yeah, so they, he's, they've done a few resins in the past. I think it like really blew up at San Diego Comic-Con. It got shared on, I want to say it got shared on like some big like Nerdist or some site like that. And then it kind of just blew up, right? Yeah, and then I think there was a Decon exclusive. Well, now they're making it in vinyl. It's set to ship in March. And we put it up for pre-order, and holy shit, this has like been like one of the biggest toys we've ever put up for pre-order, like ever. This little, this little cute little dumpster with fire coming out of it. Have you seen this, Chris? I'm looking at it now, and I, um, I'm amazed what people like. <laughs> I think it's it's one of those toys that kind of um, connects with people outside of designer toys. Uh, because you could show, you could put that on your desk at work, and you know people make a joke about this being a dumpster fire or whatever. And you know, it's just like a simple little thing that connects with people outside of toys. Yeah, but it know. looks, it looks. No offense, but it looks like something that you'd pick up at Urban Outfitters, not necessarily at, you know, Strange Cat. Well, and I, I don't think it is an offensive thing to say that either, because um, it's like a, a lower price point item. It's like twenty two dollars. So it's definitely something you would see at, at one of those places. It's just uh, caught fire everywhere. Nah, see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, the, you're in the boat with Travis, yeah? Huh? Yeah. A pun-filled episode here. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's, a, it's a fun little figure. It's, you know, it's not something that really appeals to me, but I think I see why people like it and what, um, you know, what potential that figure has. It's kind of like a couple of years ago, there was that sushi fish guy. That was like a little fish that's like filleting himself. Um, I can't remember the name of that figure. Bamoyashi? Yeah, that thing. <laughs> By Chino, Chino Lamb is the artist. Yeah, and it, it's a figure that, you know, kind of connects with people outside of toys because, you know, every sushi 
place in the world probably would like to have one of those on their shelf, right? So like yep. it just has legs that grows beyond just toy collecting. And it's it's always cool to see one or two of those things kind of take off uh, because maybe somebody finds it that didn't collect before and then they find other people that make stuff similar. And so it's like a gateway in my opinion. So I'm always happy, excited to see something like that take off. Oh, for sure. Like, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the orders that are coming in on this guy and they're like, I would say 90% are like first time customers. There you go. Good for business, Chris. Even if you don't, even if you don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, you know, it amazes me just the things that do catch on and, and, and take off. And I mean, I'm saying that even with my own work too, like, you know, like the things that like, you know, the, 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 the drawing or the poster, I'm sorry, poster, the drawing of the picture or whatever that does well. And I'm just like that really, that's what you guys like. What about this? Which <laughs> I thought was so much of a better idea. No. Okay. Got it. And I think also looking at a uh, primes, primes, juicy gents voting that's been going on. I don't, I don't get it. There's the so outcomes. Many... You're surprised. Yeah. Like the are. I am. I am. I don't understand how that, that stupid shark beat out street the... sharks, man. Oh, that's who I voted for. Oh, good God! <laughs> See, now I, I can't. I can't talk to you. <laughs> what generation? I'm old. Yeah, I get it. Well, I think we're at a point where so for like the past ten years or so prior prior to now, I think nostalgia was pretty much ruled by '80s nostalgia, um, where people that grew up in the eighties collecting star Wars and He-Man and all that stuff, um, toys kind of ran what was popular as far as callbacks to the, you know, you know, prior times. I think we're in a point where nostalgia is kind of handing the baton over to kids that grew up a little bit later. And that stuff is starting to, people are really clamoring for that stuff. Right. So, I mean, even you go to the store, you see like, Nickelodeon stuff and all the stuff that's like from the early to mid nineties. And I think there's a lot of properties from that era that have not been represented. Well, street sharks is a great example. So when people see something street sharks, they're like, Oh, I've got a, oh, yeah, that thing. I want that. Cause it reminds them of something they haven't seen in a long, long time. You know, can, can you just do me a favor and say the name of that again? Street sharks. It's so dumb. <laughs> it's, 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 it's so dumb. It's it that's that's up there with the the bikers mice from Mars. Like, like is that I, is that any worse than Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Hey, listen, <laughs> don't fuck with the I, turtles. No, no, I appreciated them. You know when they were in the comic book phase in the early '80s and stuff like that. What they did to them later on and made them so kid friendly and cowbunger and everything like that. It was a travesty. Well, it was. It was upsetting, but, you know, at least it was somewhat, you know, acceptable. But that was even like when they did the Toxic Avenger cartoon. I thought that was like just our Toxic Crusaders. Yeah. When they did that, I was like, what are you doing? You're ruining such a great legacy. See, like, that's that's what I grew up with. Like, I didn't read the comics then. I was I was a kid. I was just that's what was on cartoons. Like, well, you weren't raised right. All right. <laughs> Here, have this mature rated comic when you're black. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. This comic's in black and white for a reason. All right. No, I just, there's just certain things that I just, I don't, I never got, even like when they were popular. Uh, Street Sharks was definitely one of them. I know I mentioned the Thundercats the other episode. Um, there was some other stuff that just like, it just, 
the appeal eluded me. And that's when you realize you're getting older, right, Chris? Well, this, no, this was even when I was younger, and uh, you know, I, you know, it was popular at the time. You know, and I was in the age bracket. Say, there were certain things that I just didn't get why they were popular. Well, I think every kid kind of has that, right? Like, there's just things you don't understand or get. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I would just, I just hope 30 years later I would maybe get it, but I still don't. If you uh, want to learn history or backstories on a lot of these uh, toy lines or cartoons or anything like that, uh, the to- the toys that made us on Netflix is a pretty good running documentary where they talk about different toy lines. Uh, and the most recent series, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, made the cut as one of the ones they talk about. So uh, there's a lot of good stuff in there. It's a great series. I mean, watching the He-Man one and, and finding out that, you know, the the cartoon and the comic and all that stuff was made after the, the figures. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, like, oh, we didn't tell you about the comic book? <laughs> yeah. I, I love that part. I'm like, oh, okay. That's a, that's, that's a cool, it's a cool uh, show. I mean, it's, it's got what's I know what's his name was on it a couple episodes right um uh, Brian from Super Seven yeah from Super yeah. Seven yeah uh, Randy from NECA was on there um, the guy from Power Morphicon was on there I actually see people like I know from Decon right so I'm like oh hey <laughs> like people I know like nice it's pretty uh, pretty crazy to see people you know on a TV show you <laughs> know like I mean Corey wouldn't know them because we'd never been to Decon so you know that's right someday maybe. <laughs> Strictly uh, New York and Florida. Yeah, East Coast. <laughs> the whole time difference, that's the problem. We, we can't get used to that. No, it's great. You wake up at 5.30 and you're ready to roll. That's In scary. bed by 8? No, I stay, you stay up late and then you still wake up at 5.30. <laughs> you know what's crazy? Like The time difference out there is there'll be times when um, Mike from Sugarfueled will text me in the morning and I'm at work like at 9 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, what are you doing up? I'm like, isn't it like, what time over there? And he's like, oh, I'm working on stuff. I'm like, it's just, it's just so weird. So Corey, is there any, uh, any projects you have uh, been amped on coming up? We're working on a bunch of toy productions for next year, um, actually. So, with Strange Cat, are you, are you trying to in 2020 kind of focus more on production? Or are you trying to just balance the two, the production and the and the sales? Uh, balance. Yeah, I don't want to like go away from the store just because I like doing the store and I like carrying a variety of different things and stuff from different artists and um, my customer base is great. So just just a, a balance and trying to make toys that are like what we carry. So um, more of the soft vinyl. Asian artist, um, and then also doing more of what we've been doing, like with Josh, we're doing more crash figures next year. Um, we have uh, another like pop flip kind of toy coming out with, uh, one of, uh, our friends. And then, um, well, what exactly is a pop flip? What, what do you mean by that? Uh, it's kind of like the stuff that you don't like a ton of, but, um, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> There you go. It, it it gets into that kind of cheating realm, but you know people like it. So um, so when you say flip, you mean kind of like a like a mashup kind of thing. Yeah. Like, okay. Right. Um, so yeah, we're doing um, some more of that kind of stuff, and I think I can talk about one. Yeah, Prime won't care. Um, so 
we're doing a, a toy based on a, a sticker that Prime designed. It's not know, Street five, Sharks, right? It's not Please. Street Sharks. Thank God. <laughs> uh, like five years ago. Uh, you can find it through his timeline, and he's done like a revamp. So if you just follow in Prime We Trust, you can figure it out. Um, and we've been trying to figure out the the best ways to go about not getting like a cease and desist or um, a, a bad letter from Disney. And I, I think we're going to be all right. I, I think it'll be fun. There's so much Disney pop flip out there that people aren't getting cease and desist for. Um, I mean, I know they like pick and choose, though, based on what they feel is hurting the brand versus helping the brand. But um, it just seems to me like there's so much of it out there at this point that uh, they're not really going after a ton of people um, unless you're producing products that are exactly like what they make. And um, you're like bootlegging that product. At least that's what it seems like. Yeah, yeah, I think we'll be okay. I'm a little bit more worried about Josh's, but I think that one will be okay, too. Just because, uh, you know, there's no face in that crash. So if I don't put any logos on there, I think I'm good. Yeah, and also, too, I mean, just depending on what property it is. I, I've, I've always heard that the cease and desist seem to come when you deal with a smaller IP, right? Because they have more to lose than a bigger IP, right? Um, if somebody starts making a bunch of, you know, evil Knievel stuff, his product is less than Disney. So the people that manage Evil Knievel's estate are going to be more likely to send you a cease and desist than Disney, right? Yeah. I've heard the Rick and Morty guys are, are pretty um, on it for that stuff too. Like they don't really like the fan art or people producing flips of their, fig- of their figures or anything like that. Well, I can see that too because they are relatively new, right? So they are still at that point where they're trying to build up that uh, – licensed base um so anybody that's trying to jump in and make money off of their product without licensing at this point um could be hurting their growth as a licensed product how could how how could that be true i mean that crap is everywhere i swear to god on my commute to work i see at least uh, rick and morty you know references you know whether it be a backpack a t-shirt whatever at least 10 to 20 times well yeah i have they're they're licensing it out to companies to make it but right but you know, why do you think they would they're not star wars they don't have 40 years of you know licensed product that's been done right that's that's what i'm getting to where it's like there is tons and tons of star wars stuff out there that they are to the point where it's like well this isn't really hurting the brand and these people aren't really making that much stuff so is it really worth going after them and hiring a lawyer and all that stuff unless they are you know hurting the brand in some way like they're you know putting like i don't know like luke with a penis or something i don't know like <laughs> you know what i'm saying though like something i don't know but you get what i'm saying like they're just doing something that makes it bad for the brand but you see see like i know tons of people who make like um like pins and stuff like that and they do like you know say disney and 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 simpsons rips and whatever and you know, like when they they're going to sell them or whatever, they can't hashtag any of that stuff. You know, they can't hash. You know, because they will get the cease and desist right away. It may also kind of depend on what the company or what if they've hired out like lawyers to do it for them too, right? So there may be like set up like a filter or set up like an internet 
warning system that every time somebody hashtags Star Wars, this thing pops up, right, or whatever. And maybe some of the smaller companies or, you know, some of the companies have set up deals with like lawyers that allow them to just start sending out the CNDs every time they see something like that, you know, where people are trying to make money off of stuff. Just weird. It's just, it's just weird. I mean, the whole, you know, fan art rip thing kind of, it's weird to me also in, in that, that it is such a fine line to kind of walk on, you know, and it's kind of always kind of weird how there's certain artists that kind of get, um, like brought into the stable, you know, like, you know, for example, like, uh, cuddly rigamortis, like, I love her work, you know, what made the difference that Disney turned to her after seeing some stuff that she did and say, come work for us compared to the people who, when they see it and they like, uh, stop making it or else you're getting sued. You know, right. it's, it's so weird. It's just like that weird, like line, you know? Yeah. I think it's just, it's a company by company thing and they just pick and choose cause they can. Yeah. I guess I'm asking too because I'm an artist and you know it's just kind of always interested in seeing how certain projects get picked up and how certain ones get you know vilified almost. Or if the brand themselves sees either potential in what you're doing that they could turn it into something that they could market and sell or um, if your following could be utilized to help build their following or draw attention to what they're doing right that's the other thing too um if they see it as a good fit for their company they're going to go along with it if they see you as a bad fit for their company they're going to shut you down yeah makes sense but uh you know it's kind of one of those things at this point it seems like it's a little um almost out of control i guess with how many things are getting done with the advent of 3d printing and enamel pens and you know all these different uh um, avenues for people to create projects and products. Um, I feel like if I was working at a company that was trying to protect IP, it would be very hard at this point to um, stop everything or decide what to stop. You know, uh, there's just so much stuff out there uh, being made all the time. Also, there's you know the thought that if somebody does like if uh, somebody does try to sue over their IP and they lose that case. Well, then there's like suit for everybody else that gets sued. They can say, oh, well, this person got a pass and they found it, you know, that it was fine. So that kind of like set a precedent for everything in the future. So I, I think that's another reason why they don't get a lot of people for the smaller stuff. Yeah. And I think also, too, it's um, I've always kind of heard and I mean, you know, a lot of this IP stuff is like hearsay and whatnot. But the other big thing is, is marketing a product like you make a pen, right? And you put Star Wars on it. Well, you're trying to market that product as if it's a Star Wars agreed to product, right? But if you made like a funny name for it that wasn't Star Wars, and it, but it clearly was something Star Wars, at least you're not marketing it as if it is Star Wars. And that's where Disney's probably going to get after you. If you're trying to market it as if this product is a licensed product by Star Wars, right? That's that, That's another element of it as well. Because they have to, in that case, they have to protect not necessarily the property itself, but the idea that other companies are paying to license this product and be able to say that it's Star Wars, right? So they have to protect their ability to sell and license that product. That's what they're protecting there. Because if not, then 
Hazard would be like, why am I paying you if you're just going right. to let every, you know, Tom, Dick and Harry make shit, you know, <laughs> like, so that, that's that piece of it too. Yeah. So have either one of you guys, uh, had to deal with that? I haven't. No, I have not. We've only made, um, I guess two, we made a pen that was a, a pretty straight pop culture rip. Um, and I've never, and I didn't get C and D for that. I do know that the art that that was based on, um, there was some concern that the artist was going to get a CND for the original artwork they had done for it, um, but it never came. So, um, but he was like threatened, I guess, with the CND, but it just never happened. But never have I received one for anything we've made, which is good because in most cases I'm dealing with artists. So if they sent me a CND, I'd be pretty. <laughs> I um, I got word that a store in Japan that carried. Um... The Astro Crash was uh, contacted by Tezuka, the the company that owns the IP for Astro Boy, and they were like threatened with with lawsuit if they didn't remove all the products from their store and their online store, even though they didn't make it. Like they were just a store. Wow, that was the only thing I heard from our stuff, but I never got contacted personally. Look at you trying to bankrupt a store in Japan. <laughs> I wasn't trying to. <laughs> What about you, Chris? You ever got any like C and D for your Homer colored robot or anything like that? No, no. You know me. I I play it pretty safe. I uh, no, nah, I've never had any of that kind of issue before. I just I've it just I, I've known so many artists that have, and it's kind of like it really is just crazy. And first off, it's crazy how stuff gets hunted down and found. You know, I mean, if you're tagging. You know, if you're tagging, you know, uh, you know, Fox or whatever, and you know, I, I get that, but some of the stuff that isn't, it's kind of crazy how they just find it. Well, I mean, you know, the part of the way they probably figure it out is like they have people walking around Comic Cons and whatnot, and they see things, you know, and then they may or may not report it. And then the other one is too is a lot of the people that work at those companies, um, they may be creatives that follow a lot of other creatives, um, and they catch it, and you know, they feel obligated to rat it out or whatever you know so that's kind of how that probably all transpires you know what they say snitches get stitches hey i just watched that citizen four today for the first time i know it's kind of old but yeah snowden knows <laughs> see that <laughs> yeah packing orders watching netflix you know he, he's got I it have, i've been watching a shit ton of letter kenny you guys seen that show no it is. Uh, did you ever watch Trailer Park Boys on Netflix? No. Oh, okay. It's hard to compare then. So, you know Letter Kenny. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> Letter Kenny. You just have to watch it. I mean, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's on Hulu. Um, it's fucking hilarious. You should just watch it. Is it? Is it like? Because the Trailer Park Boys isn't that like kind of like stunt-based kind of things, like people doing stupid stuff. See, that's what I thought, and I didn't watch it for years, and my friends told me that it was hilarious, I'm like, no, this looks like it's fucking stupid. Like, I thought it was, yeah, like a, a redneck jackass or something, but it's not that. It's like a, a scripted show. Oh, really? Um, I, yeah, I said that it was just like a... Yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I thought the exact same thing, and I put off watching it forever, and then I finally watched it, and it's like, it's uh, obviously stupid. So that's like what what the I don't know what the joke is about it, um, and it's just like that throughout the whole show. And this 
letter Kenny is like an updated, newer, better quality kind of version of that. Yes, aren't they? Are they from overseas or something? Uh, they're in Canada. I guess that's not overseas. Yeah, you're right. See, I, I yeah, just, just America's hat. Yep. Um, see, yeah, I, I just always thought it was like a, you know, a stunt kind of based thing. Uh, you know, first off with the name Trailer Park, you know, and, and all that. I just, I just figured it was a whole bunch of juggalos acting silly. Oh no. <laughs> what? What's what? What? I don't know anything about a juggalo. Yeah. Well, Juggalos was a, a it's a it's a group of people that like they uh, a certain band. It was a insane clown posse. Oh yeah, I think I remember those guys. Yeah. <laughs> what, what Chris is getting at is uh, he found out some interesting information about my past that I suppose we can bring up publicly. Uh, that I was a a past Juggalo in my early teens. Makeup and all. Yeah, I even sent you the photo. Yeah, that was yep. my freshman year of high school. But you see, see, but you have a tattoo. So I mean, I, so I had, so, I had. It's covered so, up. <laughs> but that means that means you had to have gotten to the age of eighteen, still liking oh, and being a jug. No, sir. Uh, we, oh, this, this was this was done at somebody's house. <laughs> oh, good God! Please tell this story. Now I'm interested. <laughs> so I'm I'm like fifteen, going on sixteen. And there's this house party going on, and this tattoo artist is there just doing cash tattoos, like, outside of his studio just because, I don't know, he just wanted to make some extra money that he didn't have to re report or record. Because um, it's it Florida. You could say it. Yeah, yeah, it's Florida. It was uh, <laughs> not, not the nicest-looking uh, tattoo guy, but everything seemed clean, and I haven't gotten the, the hiv or anything that I know oh, of. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh, I paid 50 bucks for my first Hatchet Man, or my first tattoo that was a Hatchet Man on my back. And you were 15? Yep. I give you credit. 15, huh? Yeah. That's that's dedication. Yeah, my friend uh, that went with me got the uh, tool eye tattooed on his back, so he gets a little bit more respect, I think. Yeah, that, that, that holds the... the because <laughs> test the time a little bit more. Yeah. So, so were you down in uh, Fago while you were getting? Oh, you know, you know, moon mist, whatever I could get my hands on. So the uh, the, the thing with the insane clown posse is as music trash, but as like able to build a DIY <laughs> like fan base that they completely control. That like as far as like you know they make they make the music oh. the the merchandising all that stuff themselves, right? That's that's pretty as, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> as, as as businessmen, it's it's brilliant. I mean, it's it's brilliant. I mean, they got. I mean, you know, they did get super lucky when you know the whole thing with Warner Brothers and and uh, and them pulling the yeah, record. Yeah. You know, I mean, if that didn't happen, I, I they probably wouldn't have gone the route and gotten as popular yeah. as they did. I yeah, think. Well, and I think they they still have like a. I think it probably wouldn't have grown out of like a regional thing, right? Like. Because like yeah, in my yeah. area, being in Ohio, um, basically my entire childhood, they were like something that people always talked about, right? Being from like rural Ohio, and then um, you know I figured out what they were, and I was like, nah. But <laughs> like, but they're <laughs> well, you're right. You're right next to Detroit, right? Ohio's right next. 
right? Yeah, yeah. We're about we're about about three hours south of Detroit. So I mean, like it was you know it was a little more prevalent around here, I guess, because it was kind of like a regional thing. Because they would probably they were, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm sure they were like touring around, um, probably like small places here in Ohio, right, where people were finding out about them and that kind of a thing. But by the time Corey got a hold of them, though, when he was fifteen, yeah. <laughs> and that was only like that was like two or three years ago, right? No, it's <laughs> like 15 years ago. Um, but I, I got into it when I was in middle school. I I, uh, I was a truant, so I got sent to a truancy school. Um, so when I and you hung out with other other uh, jugglers. Yeah, well, when I was like 13, I was going to school with 16 year olds. So yeah, like much older kids, and they specifically like these three guys were very much juggalos and got me into that and. It, it only took a, maybe three months after I got that tattoo to where I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, this is the dumbest shit ever. <laughs> I immediately went and got the tattoo covered up. I just see Corey, I just see Corey sitting around, like, coming up with questions like, what is a juggalo? Yeah. Well, all right. So, yeah, that's, so I've got to ask that. So did you have to wear the makeup all the time or was it only at events? Like, is there like a is there a rule that goes along with being a juggalo? Is it like uh, kiss music or kiss makeup? <laughs> I don't think there was any rule. No, you just uh, you just wore it whenever you felt like it, I guess, or whenever you wanted to show okay. your, your true colors. OK, so if you showed up at a ICP or Twisted, whatever that other band was, um, concert and you weren't in makeup you weren't be shamed they 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 were okay with that no yeah yeah they were very accepting of anybody that uh that came in as long as you didn't like eminem they were very much against eminem oh at that time yes yeah it's a big beef it's very very interesting to me i i don't don't know why there was a there was this whole thing they did too with their albums where um they talked about uh like these different jokers and how you're talking about the, the six cards or whatever. Yeah. Like each, each album was like a new card and there was like going to be some big reveal at the sixth card. So everybody was like getting amped up for it. This, this is the undoing of the juggalo stuff for me is the sixth one finally came out and I listened to the whole thing. And at the end they're like, the truth is we follow God and we love him and you should too. And I was like, what the fuck is this? You guys have been talking about like cutting people's heads off and all sorts of crazy shit. And now you see this. Wait, Really, like the so yep. the whole Kaiser Soze moment was that they were uh, like God. a religious, which just made no sense. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think also too, um, yeah, the whole six card thing was a really good idea, right? We're going to build up for the sixth thing, but once you get to the sixth one, then what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Well, so I, I, they came up with they came out with like new ones or something. I think at some point, right? They like created a whole another round of cards or something and I'm i don't think it ever worked. i'm sure <laughs> yeah i don't think that they uh I, I i'm sure they probably have a fuck ton of money and you know whatever and they probably still put out stuff but i, I doubt it's anywhere what it used to be back in like the late 90s early 2000s yeah they they probably a little bit probably suffered from when the music industry kind of changed right because they their their model had to have been based on selling like physical items Right. <laughs> and I'm sure that as a small company like that, it would be hard to transition as the music industry kind of changes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I, I remember them being on like Howard Stern fighting with uh, um, Ozzy's wife 
Sharon. Sure, Sharon. Yeah, I remember that. Um, I, 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 like I said, I give him credit for the whole, you know, DIY aspect of it. Um, so, so do you throw on any albums now to just kind of rehash and nostalgia reasoning? Uh, nope. No. All right. <laughs> I would, I would probably throw on some Limp Biscuit before I would throw on some ICP. Limp Biscuit. Three dollar bill, y'all. <laughs> Did it all for the nookie. That's right. <laughs> that first album wasn't too bad. The three dollar bill, well, yeah, that one with uh, the faith cover. I still think uh, I still think rearranged has like one of the best bass lines. I I'm drawing a blank on that one. It, it, it was yeah. like a popular song they put out. It has a sweet bass line. It's like the main part of the song. Well, guys, we've been talking for a while, so let's go ahead and wrap this episode up. Uh, Chris, if you want to tell everybody where they can find you out on the old internet, best place is going to be Instagram. Or Twitter, uh, at ChrisRWK. Um, on Instagram, you can also check out at RobotsWillKill. And Corey? Uh, you can find me at StrangeCatToys on all the social medias. And check out the shop at StrangeCatToys.com. And I'm Travis Likens. You can find me on social media under UVD Toys, And you can head over to UVDToys.com to check out all the awesome products that we offer. And one final time, we want to say thank you to both StickerFi and No Love City for sponsoring this podcast. This has been the Urban Robot Cat Podcast, the show about art and people who make it.